This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor at the Peninsula Pulse, and I am joined today by my business partner, David Elliott, the founder of the Peninsula Pulse and co-founder with me and Brett Kozmeider of Peninsula Filmworks and kind of the the brainchild behind a huge project, our biggest project that we've ever undertaken with Peninsula Filmworks, Regents Whale. Dave, thanks for hopping into the booth and going through the pain of recording a podcast with me. Oh, it's a joy. <laughs> It's always a pleasure. It's your favorite thing. It is. Actually, I love it. It's just a little bit of friendly banter. (laughs) And about an hour of Dave getting ticked at me off the mic. Just the buttons you like to push are fun, Miles. (laughs) But no, for real, we do have a pretty awesome project that you have spearheaded for several years and really talked about for years before that. Ridge and Swale, a two-part documentary series that is going to premiere this Saturday at the Door Community Auditorium at seven o'clock. So all you listeners, if you're in town, great way to celebrate Earth Day, come and check out this documentary. But Dave, we wanted to have you on the podcast to tell people what it's all about and where it came from and what to expect. So where do we start on this one? Well, I mean, I appreciate the credit, but a lot of this effort and time and energy and all the resources that we've had on this is really Brett Cosmiter Mm -hmm. putting in a ton of time and interviewing dozens, if not probably close to 35, 40 people in this process, along with the number of books he read. The pile is pretty high. He's been (laughs) just digging in all over the place. It's been an adventure, but it's pretty cool to learn about the history and the legacy of what those that came before us left for us in terms of a conservation present for us. Yeah. And to say, Brett would join us in this podcast, but he's still putting finishing touches on this, the last part of the documentary as we speak. And we should mention that like you said, there's so much that goes into a documentary and so much of the work we do beyond just pulling a camera out and recording stuff and even beyond interviewing. And Brett does, you know, this is a passion project for him as well. And he does a deep dive and research and really cares about getting this right because he loves this place as much as anybody. Well, and it's such, it's a topic that's everybody you talk to loves it too. So they refer you to another person. They say, well, you have to talk to this person. You have to talk to this person. Well, the list is actually infinite because you just keep getting a connection to somebody else and to somebody else, and they all have value to add and a whole other story, but there's just not enough time. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about what Brett spends his time with, I mean, there's probably hundreds of hours of footage that he's reducing down to two hours. Right. It's going to be in two parts, so there'll be a slight intermission in between. But the first part is all about the history of conservation. So how did property in Door County get conserved in the first place? Who was the first one to do that? Where did it come from? It's a little bit of a part of a national movement and then a regional movement as well. And then how did that evolve into state parks and what was happening in the state with state parks? How did that lead to the creation of like things like the Door County Environmental Council? The Land Trust, all those other organizations, the Ridges Sanctuary is the first land trust in Wisconsin. Pretty cool history. Why did you want to do this? You know, we've done a lot of a lot of like kind of mini documentary things and a lot of short story type film projects about people and places in Door County and topics in Door County. Usually anywhere in the like kind of two and a half minute to twelve minute ballpark. 
but you really want to do a deep dive on this particular topic. What was the motivation? Well, a lot of it comes from, we, we have a tendency to think about all the things that we don't have a lot. I mean, I think as human beings, we focus more on how to constantly improve. So we think about the things we don't have and how we failed to do this or we failed to do that. But when you look at what Door County actually has in terms of a natural environment and accessible for the public, it's huge. And it's a story that actually celebrates how a community can do really cool things and do a great thing for future generations and leave a great mark and produce a legacy that can be continued for another hundred years. It's something we should celebrate instead of think about we haven't done enough for it. I mean, I, I get it. We lose tracts of land every year to development and something changes up here. The change is inevitable. We have to figure out a way to, to work with it. And by actually telling the story of how got to keep what we do have preserved, I think sets a pretty good example about how to handle the next challenge we have as a community. Yeah, we don't take a lot of time to pause and think about how fortunate we are that there were some pretty visionary people before us, whether it's like your Emma Toffs or Jens Jensen's, and the people who, who pushed to create Peninsula State Park at the time. Like that wasn't an easy thing to have happen. You know, Peninsula State Park, there were a lot of people against that idea. Now oh, yeah. it just seems automatic. Same yeah. thing with the ridges, same thing with the clearing. Those all seem like a given, right? Well, I mean, you think, remember when we ran an April Fool's Day issue when the park was going to be developed <laughs> into condos? <laughs> Just knee-jerk reaction of people when they read that about, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my favorite part of that community mm -hmm. to, to a development. And it's just assumed that it was always going to be that way. And there's yeah. other people like Ferdinand Holtz, like that's, he, he, just was lucky. A, he was a diamond dealer who fell in love with nature and he bought all this property up here instead of parsing it out into small little pieces and making a ton of money. He had the money. So he just said, Hey, I want this to stay this way. I'm just going to sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is actually similar to what was happening in other parts of the country. Rockefeller was doing the same thing with Yellowstone national park. He donated a bunch of that land plus land in Acadia national park in Maine. So the, uh, those super wealthy were doing that at the same time because they saw the value in preserving the natural surroundings for the future as well. Yeah, we are pretty fortunate. You think about Hotes, and if you look at an old plat map <laughs> from the county, it's pretty remarkable how much property Hotes owned. Not just maybe if people know that name, they probably think know it in relation to Newport State Park, but land in Fish Creek and all over the peninsula. And then even say Rock Island State Park was all owned by one person. Horseshoe Island was owned by a private individual. And we kind of got lucky that the depression sort of wiped out the plans to develop those parcels and, and, and other areas around Wisconsin, but it held on to them long enough that they could be put into the public domain. And the big push actually was mm -hmm. that the reason why we have the parks in the first place was in order to make it possible for regular Joe to have access to that kind of natural beauty. Because at, at that time it was just being purchased by people who had a lot of money to, for themselves as a natural playground for their families. So when it be, the state park movement shifted in order to make it available for the public to be able to have access to stuff that was otherwise only restricted to the rich. You know, you started a few minutes ago by talking about this knee-jerk thing we do where we just complain. <laughs> you know, we complain about what's wrong, and a lot of times we lose sight of what's right. You know, people might come into Bay Lakes Harbor and spend a lot of time complaining about a building they don't like or that it's too busy or there's traffic and they don't notice that they are in a town that exists and is what it is because the ridges was built years ago and there's thousands of acres of conserved land that surround Bailey's Harbor. And this is a town that just voted to buy a good chunk of the waterfront for everybody else in Nelson's hardware. And same thing happens in Sister Bay. Like people complain constantly in Sister Bay about 
traffic, about tourists, about everything that's wrong without ever going, wow, we bought this waterfront and, and built it for everybody. We saved Pebble Beach for ourselves. We don't think of it like well, wait, we do so second. much that's right. Well, even what you did just there, which I totally get, but you focused on the waterfront and the beach park in downtown and then quickly said Pebble Beach and kept going. But Pebble Beach is a huge save for this community. It's amazing. That is an incredible thing that we get access to publicly that could have been easily remained private. Yeah. Could have been condos. Yep. It was going to be condos. And you know, this community through its village board, but it's, it was community groundswell. Nobody was against <laughs> saving Pebble Beach, really. There was very little pushback to that when the village said, we're going to spend over a million dollars on this and not do anything with it. There's no economic thing we're pushing for. We're not building a marina. We're not building a beach. We're just keeping it as it is. And people love that. And that's a different ethic here. Like I just came back from Clearwater Beach, which beautiful place in Florida, beautiful beach. They do a great job down there on their waterfront and there's a ton of public access. But in general, when you, I'm finally starting to realize it as I've been able to get around the country a little bit more as, you know, by virtue of getting older. But when people would say, when come to Door County and just say it feels different here as a tourist destination, that they, they get a connection here that's different than other places they go. I never really understood that growing up, but now I'm starting to get it more and more each year as time passes and you go somewhere else because you go to Florida and you sort of, you go there and take. I don't get the impression that people care about the town and the, that place the way that people care about Door County. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you've been part of that tourism conversation for years and it was something Julie Gilbert said when she was first coming to Door County to interview for the job as Destination Door County. She, she said, I can't believe you guys are a major tourist destination. It's just so clean. It's just so well cared for up here. And she's worked in tourist destinations all around the country. But that kind of hit me in the face. I was like, oh, we just think about how people are leaving trash around. But <laughs> when people care about this place a lot more. So emphasizing these things and these things that we do. And we are pretty good stewards for the most part. Well, and, and you mentioned the Destination Door County, the Visitor Bureau, and the Chamber of Commerce. They actually have a huge history and a, played a big part in the conserving of Pottawatomie State Park. Hmm. The, the Chamber of Commerce at the time really wanted to make that a national park and pushed hard for that. And ended up not working out. But then when it became a state park, they actually were the ones that named it Pottawatomie State Park as well. Hmm. All the park systems, they were built for tourists. It was recreational tourism. It was to get people out of their homes and out of the big cities, which at the time were just gray clouds of smoke and dirt in those larger cities. And the, the escape was to get out to a natural place which then leads to appreciation of it. So, I mean, if unless you experience the natural wonders of what our community offers or lots of nature things offer, you don't understand why you should preserve it. That was the other learning process for me. We spoke to Katie Krause, who was part of the, the Ridges Sanctuary. She worked out in the western part of the state for a long time, and she said, you know, she really enjoyed teaching people about it, but where she was coming from really didn't educate that many people about what the nature preserve that she was on offered. But what the Ridges offers for her is thousands of visitors a year that she feels like I get, I have the unique opportunity to introduce so many people to nature for the first time. Hmm. And when you do that, they gain a natural appreciation for it, which means that she feels like that generates hope. That that hmm. means that there's hope for the future that more people will want to save trees and grass and, and fields and streams. And if they do that, we have a better life ahead of ourselves. Now, somebody listening to this might be saying, yeah, that's all great, but like, hey, we have all these pressures. It's being taken away. It's being one vacation rental at a time or one condo development at a time or one more car. It's, we're losing this. So like, 
I mean, what do you, as you work on this thing to celebrate the things we've done, how do you balance that with some of those pressures that a lot of people are feeling or talking about? We got to figure that out, right? I mean, a part of it is creating a conversation. That's the other, what, why did we do this? The other reason was to have a conversation about what's next. It's been incredible about what's been accomplished, what those visionaries who came here before us found a way to set aside land for the future of all of us. What do we do with that land going forward? I mean, climate change is having an effect on those properties. It's changing the things that are growing there. How do we be stewards of that property? The land trust has all these acres they've preserved, but they only can open up some to the public. Some of it's by agreement easement and, and that kind of thing. But the other part is they just don't have enough volunteers and people to maintain trails to be able mm -hmm. to open it up for more people. So how do we create more stewards of those properties, volunteers and or money to fund that so that more people can have access to that, which would then encourage more people to give because yeah. it would create more access. And then how do we balance out affordable housing, for instance, and farmland and with conservation on top of it. How do you do all of it? There are ways, but we have to get everybody around a table to have a discussion about it. It can't just be one person unilaterally trying to push something forward. One person or a bunch of disjointed organizations not talking to each other. <laughs> There's that too. But I mean, that's the strange part in Door County. If you look at the history, I mean, the ridges, the clearing, the county parks, the state parks, they were all the same kind of people crossing over in the same groups, helping mm -hmm. each other move forward. Jen Jensen's helped get the ridges formed and he helped form the clearing. He was one of the big spokespeople for the county parks as well. He spoke out emphatically about state parks as well. So that group was really interconnected. And we just have so much more going on and so many different influences coming at each individual organization. They're so focused on their own instead of figuring out a way to talk more. They want to, but we got to figure out those channels so they can do that. You're also, yeah, I mean, like you said, there's not enough people to do all the work. No. You participated in a lot of these interviews with Brett and a lot of formulating this story and discovering this story. Is there anything that sticks out, like something that you learned that you didn't know even despite all the stories we've done here at The Pulse over the years or an interview that stuck out to you? It was fun interviewing Doug LaFollette, our Secretary of State. So he's owned property down in Glidden Drive since the 70s. He's one of the first to donate to his half of his parcel. He donated 40 acres to the Nature Conservancy years ago. Just a, a character and an interesting guy. I don't care where you politically stand. He's just got, in terms of nature, he was worked with Gaylord Nelson, who was the governor at the time, and he helped really push Earth Day early on. He started Clean Wisconsin. I mean, he's got, it was just a, and we sat beside a little running stream, and he sat in an old chair and just talked for a long time. It was a great interview. <laughs> Who are some of the other folks you talked to in the process? I mean, there's... Now you're going to catch me. But, um, so we talked to Joel. I mean, I, that's like, if we're political spectrum, we talked to Joel Kitchens, our representative as well. He's done a lot with the Knowles-Nelson, and we talked to him about how the Knowles-Nelson Stewardship Fund is used in Door County to preserve properties. Talked to Terry Cooper from the Land Trust. I mentioned Katie. We talked to Andy Gill as well from the Ridges. My goodness, there's, I, you're, you're catching me off. Like, <laughs> like I got to make a list in my head. I know Bill Tischler was on that list, yep. another old Bailey's Harbor guy. Steve Leonard, who used to be the director at the Ridges Sanctuary and was also the director there when they launched, which at the time to me seemed like a, a crazy idea was to build that new nature center right at the time that the economy had collapsed in the, the Great Recession and managed to fund that, raise the money quickly. Like just see that the value that people place on well, that's a, that, and actually, actually, this story that I didn't know enough about. That facility is named after Albert Fuller, mm -hmm. and Albert Fuller used to get 
busloads of people in Milwaukee from the inner city and drive them up to Door County and have them walk through what is now the Ridge's property and take photographs and record all that. That's, that's why it's called the Albert Fuller Place. It's actually because the larger donor who gave to create that wanted it named after him because he was an inner city kid. He was a, a child of a single mom. And he was wandering around the streets in Milwaukee, and he credited Albert Fuller for pulling him out of the inner city and showing him the natural environment and taught him how to take pictures. And he wanted, when he found the opportunity to give back to the, something like the Ridges, he wanted to do it because that's what he felt really made who he was. Hmm. Yeah, that's a fascinating story and a, and a testament because he doesn't live here or didn't live here when he made that donation and had been away from this place for years. No, it was the power of what taking a kid out of the inner city and showing him this huge world of what a natural surroundings can be and getting him just to swallow up and lost in it. He's lived in California, and before he died, he donated the money. It was an inc- incredible gesture. Well, he went and fought in World War II. He was quite an interesting man. And it speaks a lot to the, that connection that people make with Door County that's just, again, different than other places where it sticks with them for a lifetime. Obviously, you spend a couple of years putting together a documentary like this. It's not a commercial <laughs> endeavor that brings in a ton of money. What are you hoping, you know, you have a, we have a showing at the auditorium Saturday night. We have another showing at Crossroads on Sunday afternoon at 3.30. There'll be more showings to come after that and more opportunities for people to view it. What do you hope this does ultimately? Well, just before we go on ultimately what it does, as of Monday coming up, which would be the 24th, of April, we're going to post it on conservedorcounty.com. So you'll be able to watch both the first and the second part online anytime. Again, I'm really hoping that it starts a larger conversation. There's interesting models out there about how we could both be able to conserve more property, far, like preserve more property for farming and find a way to set aside some space for housing. And I think those are three challenges that our community has and we kind of focus on, on them individually. But I think land conservation can actually be brought in to solve multiple problems that we're facing at the same time. We'll see, but I think there's a way to have a larger conversation about those things. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Let's talk a little bit more about that because I don't think, you've mentioned farmland preservation a couple of times. I don't know that everyone necessarily would grasp exactly what you're talking about when you say that or what that might mean and why that's important. But I know you and I talk about this in the office fairly often, or I overhear you talking about it with other people on the phone constantly. But farmland is not a natural feature, right? Like that is a groomed, it is is in some ways destructive to the environment, depending on your viewpoint on it. But like that farmland, the orchards, the fields help create this sense of place. It's not just the woodlands that create the version of Door County that people think of. The orchards are not a natural thing. So as that gets chopped up, and parceled out, we lose a little bit of that. Every year we lose a little bit more. So what, tell me like, 
What kind of some of those ideas? Well, farmland, first of all, it's, it's open space. Those orchards, as much as we may say that's not a natural environment, the beauty of those cherry blossoms when they pop and those apple blossoms when they pop every spring is certainly something that has become identified with Door County as well. Right. And then the open fields that are farmed for peas or whatever, that you're, whatever soybeans or whatever you got on it, is also open space. So I think one of the reasons why people are attracted to Dork County and why they keep coming back is one person told me the story is as soon as they cross that county line, there's like this, all the bad stuff just seeps away. And I think part of that becomes because you cross that county line, you're out of Green Bay and you've been out of Green Bay for a little bit, but everything just opens up. There's not a house that's separated by 10 feet. You know, you've got all this open land. So what they realized to get to your point, your question is, Massachusetts realizes, I think in the late 60s, early 70s, that all this farmland that had been originally original settlers, right, settled and had their own small plots of farmland, but small meant like 10 to 20 acres. But as soon as those 10 to 20 acres get split up into a subdivision that then has 25 homes on it, you lose that open space and that environment and you lose the stone walls, you lose that kind of really kind of cool, unique feeling. So an organization out there looked at finding ways of acquiring some of that land and saying, how do we best use this? If we conserve it all, we can't make money from it. And then how does that work to continue to buy the next piece? So their solution was to create a revolving loan fund that would purchase the farmland, keep some of it that they could lease back to a farmer, then keep whatever was most challenged from the conservation perspective, whether there was a plant species, animal species, or if it was by a stream, that would be conserved into perpetuity by putting conservation easements on it. And then they'd take an acre or two and set aside and sell it to a developer with restrictions about what kind of home or units they could put on that space. Hmm. So if you think about it in terms of a Door County project, okay, if you can buy 80 acres of farmland, you can set aside the part that's by the running stream that the that the field would need to produce more plant life. You set that aside and put a conservation easement on it. You lease out another part to a farmer, and then you take five acres and you put a development on it. You can solve multiple problems at the same time. Rather than having one 80-acre parcel turned into eight 10-acre parcels, each with its own McMansion. Or <laughs> right, yep. Which then, and then also stretching those resources instead of consolidating right. those homes onto a smaller piece. So it's, a, it's out of the box thinking, but it actually worked. It's worked before. There's a way to create a fund for it. But there's no organization that actually handles all three of those things individually. Okay. So there's, there's groups, there's Pencil Pride that deals with farmers. There's, you know, there's the Door County Economic Development that kind of overlaps a little bit of these things. There's a housing initiative within the community foundation and the city is part of that other municipalities are part of. And then you got the land trust. So who does it? Who does the work and how do you figure it out? And yeah. part, of it, part of it is, as we talked about earlier, it's finding the people and then it's finding the resources and combining them. But I think that's just one thing that actually solves multiple challenges at the same time that could have some larger effect, positive effect on the community later on. And that's not in the documentary. It's uh, this is us. This is you and I once again going off on a big tangent, but it's it's a cool concept. What I would hope from this is that it spurs those conversations. It spurs those tangents. You know, if people come and watch this and then they go and they, you know, maybe somebody goes back to their village board meeting or goes back to a their nonprofit organization or their dinner table and starts talking about getting involved, volunteering, 
hey, I could do trails, you know, I could maintain stuff for the land trust. Or it's something bigger of, you know what, we have this property, let's, let's save it. Let's find that way. Let's find that creative solution. I mean, you, you asked me why this doc earlier. I mean, the, the real reason is, is it's our turn, right? I mean, if you look at the history of what so many other people have done before us to let us have this, there's a level of responsibility that's passed on to the next generation to do their part, to perpetuate it and to grow it and to do their part. One of the reasons why I'm excited that Destination Door County came on as a sponsor of this is that they're looking at it as it's their turn as an organization as something that brings and promotes this place. It's their turn to invest back into the thing that people come here for. It's not just about dollars and cents and putting people's in beds. It's how do we preserve this place for all of us to enjoy. Yeah, you mentioned Destination Door County is a sponsor. Who else has helped support this effort? So the the Door County Medical Center has. They're a great sponsor. Um, they work with us on lots of things. And they're looking at it as, hey, they got employees and people that they want to come and, and live and work here. They want to celebrate this great place. And, and actually the natural healing powers of nature is another piece of that whole thing too. The Ridges Sanctuary has been a great sponsor. Their history is incredible. And Andy Gill and Katie and that whole organization does so much to preserve and educate us on all these different plant lives and everything else. And then the clearing, which the founding of the clearing has deep roots. And as I mentioned, Jens Jensen is, was so influential in getting so many open spaces preserved up here. What else do we need to know, Dave? Come and see it on Saturday and Sunday. And if you can't, it'll be online. Um, I think it's a really cool story. If you have ideas about how to move some of these other things forward, let us know. There's lots of room for communication and bringing these organizations together for a larger conversation. And this also comes in tune with, we gotta give a plug to the sustainability issue that the Peninsula Pulse is putting out. And if you're looking for more information about Rigid Swale, Door County Living's philanthropy issue has a, an article on this as well. And you mentioned the sustainability issue. One of the things we're trying to highlight in that issue this year are those people who give their time in, in ways big and small are contributing to, to keeping this place as beautiful as it is, as thriving as it is, and make it more sustainable. So in this Friday's issue, so the 21st that yeah. comes out. I mean, that, that's when you ask me about what else can we say, I mean, I, I think part of this is the other appeal for me that is interesting in this whole thing is nature conservant, like conserving nature and preserving our natural habitats. It's really an interesting partnership between the private and the public sector. It's about how private people f went to use government to find a way to preserve a place for everybody. So I don't know, we talk about government being a bad thing a lot. That's also something that's already out there a lot. Hey, government allows us to preserve property and it's only as good as the people that participate in the process. So I think it's what made these parks and spaces preserved and open is that you had private citizens figuring out a way to work together, work within a model of a government that we had set up and leave a legacy that so many people get to enjoy now. Yeah, I mean, Peninsula State Park is, the founding of that is largely due to Thomas Reynolds, a Jacksonport state assemblyman who fought and was a huge advocate for making that a state park. Mm -hmm. If people, after these initial showings, if you can't make it to the auditorium, you can't make it to Crossroads, how could people arrange a showing of their own or... You know, maybe they get you and Brett. I'm going to volunteer Dave and Brett Kozminer's time once this thing is done <laughs> to come and speak to groups. Dave's going to hate me for that. He's no, I love how you use this forum to set me up. Yeah. It's a, it's a good thing, Miles. A couple things. We are open to doing private showings, but it's also going to be available online and at pretty high resolution. So you could be able to download the video yourself and show it in different places. We'd love to know if you are, because then we can share that information too for you. 
we are looking at doing some kind of, I don't think it's appropriate to call them TED Talks, but they are TED Talk-esque kind of ideas of bringing in some of the people that were in the video to talk about their topics. Like we talk a little bit about the loss of some bats that happened over in uh, at the caves over at Horseshoe Bay or with the dragonflies and the Heinz Animal dragonflies and the people that tag them and they've come up. So we're, we're looking at setting up some of those conversations to happen in July and August. So that'll perpetuate a little bit of this story. But if you're looking to get a hold of us, it's info at peninsulafilmworks.com. All right. Excellent. And you know, you just mentioned something that sparked something. I got a chance to sit down with Jim Ingerson for an interview in the process of, of putting this together. And he, Jim was, you know, he's one of our preeminent artists that's ever been here in the county. And he's also one of the people behind the founding of the Door County Environmental Council, which was the forerunner to the Door County Land Trust, was a an early advocate for preserving land and as is working on putting more of his land into conservation as well. And what he talked about was just the role that it plays for the arts. So it's not just the economics, but it's also a big part of why artists aren't just drawn to a place because there's vacation there. It's, it's the beauty that, that brings them here. And that's why we have this whole other cultural element to who we are. Yeah. The arts were actually used as an example about how to create a land trust. This is a side note, but when you say it and you tie those two things together, that's actually how the first land trust was established in the first place was that it's actually my great, great uncle compared taking art and preserving and building museums to preserve the art and people would give money to that philanthropically. And he, he set up, said, well, why not use as an example and why can't we buy land and have people give philanthropically to preserve the land because the land is just as important as the art that it comes from the land. Hmm. So it's an, it's an interesting little, and that was established in 1891 and he wrote about it and said, this is, let's use this as a model and we can preserve land just as we can preserve art. All right. I think we covered it all, Dave. Nobody wants to hear us talk too long. Well, so. you and I might want to hear ourselves <laughs> talk this no. long, but that's all right. <laughs> Again, if you want to check out the documentary, it premieres at the Door Community Auditorium. Thanks to the auditorium for hosting us on Saturday, April 22nd, 7 p.m. And then again at Crossroads at Big Creek on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. And we hope to see you there. And if you can't make it there, hit us up. We'd love to get this in front of as many people as possible. Absolutely. Thanks, Miles. Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.